everyone. Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great because this is a special episode where we have a live studio audience. Yep. Two of our favorite people, my brother and sister-in-law, Brian, Anna. How's it feel to be live? Amazing. (laughs) So exciting. So we've gone over things with them behind the scenes, but they know when the laugh screen flashes, you have to laugh. When the applause screen flashes, you have to applaud. And so please clap and please laugh when we suggest that it might be appropriate to. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, that would be sure great. Today's episode is really exciting because I noticed a tag on social the other day from Christopher Schaefer and his wife, Tiffany Schaefer. And I was looking at it. I didn't know what it was at first. And they had taken some beautiful pictures from Glacier National Park where they were backpacking. And I started to read the social post and they basically tagged us in it and said, this is such an amazing life-changing experience. Thanks for the inspiration. And I think that they were partially inspired, don't want to take all the credit, but maybe a little bit for bringing up the idea of direct experience. I mean, that is exactly what they said. That's so, so cool. Let me read it and just go over some details. So they hiked over 80 miles in six days and five nights. Yeah. Crazy. No joke. No. Uh, and Christopher said, credit to Chad Grills and everyone at the mission for serving as catalysts for direct experiences. Keep impacting lives. So thank you so much, Chris and Tiffany. We might be a partial catalyst, but you're the doer and doing is way harder than talking. So thanks so much for tagging us. That's really, really cool. And, and that's, inspiring today's episode. Yeah, that's why we're doing this. The mission is primarily a digital company now. And we exist, our media is, a lot of it's in digital form, but it's not going to be that way forever. And we've started to have our first few live podcast events. We have more coming up. We have a panel at Dreamforce where we'll be doing a live podcast and probably way more of those are in our future. So just like you, we want to bring the mission out into the real world for everyone and get more direct experience. It's that important. And today's episode, we want to talk about direct experience a bit more and why it's going to change your life and change your perceptions. All right. So I'm guessing we have stories, personal stories per se. Yes, we do. And speaking of direct experience, we have October 17th and the 18th marked on our calendars because we're going to be at Twilio Signal, which is in San Francisco. Twilio Signal, they are our sponsor for the Mission Daily. Big thank you. We couldn't do what we do without them. So go to Twilio Signal. Just Google it, get a ticket, use the promo code MISSION20, get 20% off. And we'll see you there because we will be at the conference having a great time. Definitely. So I want to talk about the first time that I got direct experience in the real world when I sought it out myself in a major way. There's, there are plenty of small examples when I was a kid of like playing sports, going on trips, traveling with my parents that were very impactful and kind of shifted my worldview But my worldview didn't really shift until I got out on my own and decided to move across the country when I was 18. Didn't like school, didn't like high school, but I was very optimistic about the idea of not starting over again, but mainly just getting out of the town that I lived in. So when I was 17, I started plotting that. And then when I was 18, I drove across country and moved to Washington State. Did you drive by yourself? No, I didn't. Okay. So I got out there, I stayed for a couple months. And I realized, okay, this isn't a good place for me. It's it's nice and everything. And I got to expand my worldview a little bit. And a friend flew out and we ended up taking another cross-country drive through a different part of the country. 
And one of the first things that happened to us was we were in Coos Bay, Oregon. Oh, oh no. I think I said Oregon wrong. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Jenny on our team who tells us we say everything wrong. Leave that in. Well, no, it was just Oregon, it was two things. Yeah, yeah, two things in the last. Uh, it was Oregon and... Uh, Marin Headlands. Yeah. I think she's telling us it's maybe Marin. She's listening to this right now. And cringing. Cringing, laughing. <laughs> and that's okay because it'll be a great excuse for us to catch up. So Jenny, reach out, text me, and let me know how I, I can improve my speaking. So anyways, we're in Coos Bay, Oregon, and we go out on this breaker because we're at a state park. And this breaker extends way, way out into the Pacific Ocean. This is in wintertime, so it's freezing. There's mist all over the place. And at the end of this breaker, there are... Basically, the breaker has broken down because the ocean is... The waves are so strong. And there's bits and pieces of it that are still standing and you know only partially, basically, because they've been just destroyed. And so my friend and I leap out to the furthest one... And now the waves are like really, really crazy. And what we didn't know at the time was that I'm pretty sure that every 11th or 12th wave in the ocean is typically much, much larger. And so we're standing there and we're looking at the water and all of a sudden it looks like there's a massive wave coming. This wave is going to basically be over our heads. So we turn around, we start running back as fast as we can, hopping over these smaller pieces of the breaker that are basically in the ocean. They're covered in salt water. We're slipping, we're falling, this wave's coming. It's it's massive. And we thankfully make it to the portion of the breaker that isn't quite that broken down. And we keep running. The wave comes in, it knocks us off our feet. It's above our head. We both grab onto the edge of the breaker. The water's freezing. Our hands get cut up. Our legs are cut up. And we almost got knocked over the breaker into the rocks and into the Pacific where there's nobody in the state park. I think it was early morning. We wouldn't have drowned, but we could have. And that's a direct experience. It's not pleasant, but it's something that wakes you up to the possibility of your own morality, the fact that you're not invincible, and that type of cold water, that type of face-to-face with nature and realizing how powerless you are was invigorating. And that's the point of direct experience. It's not about controlling the situation. Sometimes it's about seeding control and learning where you have power, where you don't, and what wakes you up and what invigorates your senses. Because with climate-controlled environments and offices and things like that, those aren't really life-affirming experiences. Those are a steady state of slow decline, basically. And so those direct experiences out in the real world are what wakes us up. Yeah, and I think it also depends what's going on in your life at that time. So imagine if that were, were to happen now. So now we have a baby. Imagine the thoughts that would go through your head now versus when you're 18 years old. Like at 18, you're like, well, I could die. But, and now you're like, well, if I die now, then you leave a baby behind. And, you know, it's very different depending on where you are at in that life stage. Definitely. Yeah. So thoughts in my head now are just a little less stupid than they were then. Oh. <laughs> One of the things I do want to talk about, though, too, is how direct experience gives you a real idea of what's going on. Because we have this idea in our heads, there's always a narrative and a story playing when we hear something like technology or sales or startups. And oftentimes that narrative isn't an accurate reflection of what's going on in that space, what's going on in the world. And one of the things that was a game changer for me was getting direct experience of coming to Silicon Valley and interviewing 
when we first got here for an enterprise sales and marketing type position at one of the fastest growing, best funded companies in the Valley at the time. So this is literally one of the most successful companies in the Valley. I had this image in my head of what I thought Silicon Valley was like, what I thought startups were like when I got face to face with a lot of people and started meeting, having conversations and interviewing for this role, I quickly realized this isn't what I want. This isn't anything what I thought it might be like. Uh, I don't say that from a uh, condescending standpoint, far from it. What that showed me was, oh, wow, this is possible. This is possible for me. The ideas that I have in my head are, no offense to certain people there, they're better, they're different, they're valuable. They can be confirmed in the marketplace, just like the ideas, just like the theses of this startup. And that was a game-changing experience of just seeing things firsthand because it did not match the narrative that I had playing in my head. Is that funny how different things can be compared to what you think it's going to be like? Remember when I was interviewing for Google and what was the whole goal of us coming out here? You remember? Uh, no. What was the goal? So I to was going to no. So I was going to get it. I was going to go out to Google. We were just going to have a fun <clears throat> trip to California, and I was going to get an offer and bring it back to my current employer to get me a raise. Oh, I think that was your goal. That, that was, was never, of course, my goal. I would never, ever have <laughs> such a goal like that. Okay. Well, that was my goal originally because I did not think we were, I wanted to move to California. Sure. You always wanted to move there, but and I did I'm not. not. Gonna, I'm not going to let you set your ambitions that low. Oh sure. my gosh. That was back in the day. I didn't know how to, like where to reach to. And I, I think I, I think I probably heard you, but I just was thinking in my head, no, yeah, you're going to get this offer and I can't wait to move out here. Well, you didn't say anything. So I accepted that as like you were agreeing with me. I was not complicit. In- <laughs> okay. Well, that was the original goal. And we got out here and I did not think I would like California or didn't even think I really wanted to work at Google because I just didn't really know much about it. And then the minute we stepped out here, it changed our view on everything. It did. So that's like how important it is to the stories in your head sometimes are completely irrelevant to the actual real world and why you need to get out there and see how things really are. And that's what direct experience does is it puts us face to face with our own stories and our own stories either serve us or they limit us and turn us into slaves. There really isn't one or the other option. And direct experience for me has just time and time again opened up. It's almost like in the Wizard of Oz where they finally figure out that the wizard is this little man behind the curtain who is pulling all the strings. And when that little man is first exposed, he says, do not look at the little man in the booming voice of the wizard to try to dissuade them from seeing how things actually work. And it's not, it's not a conspiratorial thing or anything like that, but this is a call to action to get out in the real world and see how things really work because almost 99% of the time, it's not going to match the perception of what you have. And also 99% of the time, it's going to empower you. It's going to empower you with the knowledge that, yes, I can, jo- I can join these people. I can join this team or this group and make a real difference. And because we're prone to sell ourselves short. We're prone to develop a bunch of silly biases and prefer the known to the unknown. And these are all traps that we have to escape. These are traps that have served us well over our evolutionary history, but they no longer serve us well in an environment that is pretty much safe. A lot of the the fear and the mind viruses that circulate through digital media are very contagious and direct experience is the anecdote to that type of sickness. So how do you convince yourself out of the story that you're telling yourself of what the reality is like to get out in the real world to show yourself an alternate view? Because I think that's probably the hardest part. If you have a vision of something, convincing yourself that it could be wrong and then going out there and seeing for yourself. 
and taking that time. So I always take the approach that what is more true can stand the criticism. What is more true isn't afraid of critique. And I love the proposition that don't believe it, don't believe this, just test it, test it for yourself. And then, you know, run that experiment and see what happens. And if you do run the experiment where you decide to get direct experience about something that you're interested in or you think might be a great fit, you'll see that it's maybe it didn't match up and you'll get more information from the real world that can then inform your decision, inform your mental models, and you'll be armed to make better decisions and you'll have a much better pool of knowledge on which to act upon. Okay, cool. Any other experiences that you want to highlight? Yes. There are a lot of people who are running things in the real world who might not be the best and the most virtuous. And there's a great quote from William Butler Yeats who says in his poem, The Second Coming, that the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Now, this isn't a statement that says, oh, don't be passionate. Don't be full of enthusiasm. That's not what Yeats is saying here. At least that's not what I think he's saying. Can't ask him. But the point here is that this is just a reminder that our hierarchies and leadership structures, sometimes they are meritocratic and sometimes they are not. And you don't know that until you get direct experience face-to-face with different leaders in different organizations. And what Yates is reminding us here of is that the doubter and the skeptic are the person, so the person who basically lacks conviction and who isn't sure of what things are really like. So basically saying the person who is curious, who does doubt themselves, that's the person who is most likely to find the truth. Love it. That's a good reminder in everything that you're viewing in life. Yeah. So the person who has enough vulnerability to admit how little they know is typically the one who humbles themselves and then stumbles into the truth, figures out how to wield power for good. And they're the type of people that can typically not be corrupted by power. I think my coworkers and I always say that as well at work, that the people who are the most confident in meetings and the loudest are usually the ones who know the least. And you don't want to really look to them for information sometimes because they're just overly confident and they don't have the data or the experience to back up how confident they are. Or sometimes the more quiet people They actually know a lot more, but they're just not speaking up. They're running thought experiments in their head. So the people who are silent, it's not like they're, I think that the very aggressive people will take for granted that the person who is quiet isn't thinking about something. And sometimes that will cause them to worry, oh my gosh, what are they thinking about? Could it be bad or something like that? They might just be running a series of thought experiments or figuring out a better way to do something or working through a problem and solving it. So I think that ending on where do you look for direct experience? And I think this is a fun place to follow your interests, follow your goals, and let those guide you out into the real world and decide between what type of experiences that you want to challenge and what type of perceptions in your head, what type of stories do you have that can be exposed to face-to-face interaction with yourself. Yep. And I think finding those experiences depends on what you're looking for. So like if you're looking for a calmed mindset or meditation or something. Maybe you go outdoors, maybe you go on a hike, maybe you go to the beach, something where it's like giving you the ability to quiet your mind. Whereas if you're looking for an adventure and you know you really want to get confident in something, maybe you go do something that you've never done before, rock climbing or, you know, whitewater rafting or something. So I think you should look and see what you're trying what your goal is and then try and attach an experience onto that that allows the emotions to come with it. That's a great idea. Yeah. So it'd be cool to have a whole article of like if you're looking for 
these types of feelings, here's some examples of direct experiences that could help assist with that. That'd be cool. I love it. And that's a great place to leave it. All right. Thanks again to our sponsor, Twilio, for sponsoring this episode of The Mission Daily. Go to our show notes to find out more about the Twilio Signal Conference, and you can find out how to save 20% off the conference tickets today. So thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. And get that direct experience. Yes. Mic drop. Cut. That's that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's Alrighty. the one. We're going offline, guys. <laughs> Let's leave that in there. Yep. We're leaving that in there. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.